This is the Fit Roots podcast, and I'm your host, Aidan Lee. We are focused on teaching you the best of philosophy, martial arts, health, well-being, and business. Our mission is to build modern warriors who enhance their lives through continual physical and mental evolution, and then bestow that gift onto the next generation. Today, we've got James Colvin joining us. James is the host of the Fire In My Mind podcast. His podcast features candid interviews and inspiring stories with people that have overcome loss, fears, failures, weakness, and survival to restore their purpose, positivity, and balance within life. Join him on his journey as he deconstructs the human condition to reveal our deepest motivations. Bridging modern thought and ancient ideas, it provokes debate, inspires, and delights people that have a curiosity about the psyche, consciousness, and the meaning of life. But beware, it contains strong language. James is a shy, and socially introverted creative. His survival, fear, greed, and desperate circumstances recently led him down a chaotic but self-destructive path into an all-consuming gambling addiction, a time that he danced with his dark side and led him to break bad. Since finding his own ground zero, he has come, he's gone on to counter his own negative behaviors, seeking self-awareness, healing, and wisdom. His podcast hopes to shed light on underreported social issues and the widespread social anxiety that riddles much of our modern lives. Welcome to the Fit Roots Podcast, James. Hello, and thank you for that introduction. It's Brilliant. Good yeah, it's great to have you here, James, and thank you for coming on. And uh, just to start off with, I'd love to hear your answer to what made you say yes to the show today. Um, well, I was quite intrigued about your show. and Fitness has always been a big part of my life, um, especially dealing with mental things, um, I think, um, you know, if you sharpen your body, it really helps bring your mind into focus. It also can be a distraction as well. Um, but yeah, fitness has been such a big part of my life as far as I can remember. And I'm, I'm just absolute fitness fanatic. Awesome. And, you know, that's quite a bio, obviously, that uh, you provided me with and we shared, James. Could you just shed some light on effectively how you, you know, what, what's going on there, how you got to where you are now and what you're sort of doing going forwards? Well, um, yeah, let me think. Where should I go back to? Um, always, uh, well, I've always had this uh, shyness, introverted character, uh, which led me into sort of creative subjects. I started out as a graphic designer. And, you know, I should have done really well in this industry because I was always like really good at art at school. Uh, people saying, oh, he's, got to, he's just got to go for that career. It's going to be <laughs> criminal if he doesn't do it. So you have all these people behind you encouraging you. You boost your ego a bit and you decide to go for it. But in a way, it kind of just plays into, uh, you stick into strengths and not overcoming weaknesses. Like the thing is with like creativity, um, it goes hand in hand with like introversion as a way of expressing yourself and it's not very productive to be introverted I don't think <laughs> sometimes there's a lot of difficult situations which I've always had been fearful of or tried to run away from and I've managed to get away with it for years and years and years um, by saying oh I'm not this creative person I don't I don't do this I don't do presentations and you know stop stressing me out and then that creates like a dominant sort of personality where there will be some major challenge in your life where then you have to reset again um and then that for me was like a 
when I was uh, working as a graphic designer, I find it incredibly tough because it's a very competitive industry. Um, I was literally traveling miles and miles just to do a contract job, just so I could get the experience because the market is that saturated with the uh, graphic designers all competing with each other. And then after maybe three or four years, I did get like a steady graphic design job, but the work just wasn't satisfying me. I was not doing anything creative. As far as I was concerned, I could have just been doing any old office job. And if I didn't care about the job, that would have suited me even better because with the graphic design, you always want to do your best. Um, you want to excel. You, you, you're working around the clock to make something really special, but the rewards are not really there always. Um, so that over time <laughs> definitely takes its toll on you. You feel like you put in so much into it. And also it's a very tricky industry in terms of you're on the bleeding edge of technology. So there's always something new to learn. So eventually um, that took its toll on me and I decided to step away from it and just do like a normal office job, which I did for, you know, maybe two or three years. I managed to build up some savings and skipping head slightly, um, I just decided life was rushing past me. <laughs> life was rushing past me and I was going to learn to trade, um, you know, online trading. I was going to invest all my money in the stock market and be like the wolf of Wall Street, you know, building up my money, building up my cash pile. So I opened up like a, an online trading account. Put, uh, uh, they, they start you off with like small margins. Um, and I put a little bit of my money in and initially had some success. And the wind was behind my back. Um, so then eventually put a bit more in, put a bit more in, started buying into stuff that I really wanted to, I really believed in. Um, to cut a long story short, um, I was making thousands, like more money than I've ever had in my whole life. I never withdrew it from the account, but it was just built, the pile was building up so big within a matter of months. I was like, this is, this is fate. This is what I was drawn to. This is for me. This is for me. And then until one day I made a really bad decision and literally halved my account within, within about, within about 10 minutes. And there was nothing I could do. It was all beyond my control. Um, and then unfortunately I started taking more and more risk because I quit my job to do it at that point. I was like, this is, this is my calling in life to do this, to get like a million pounds and be free and break and get the life that I want, thinking that I need money to get the life I want. That's how I was led to believe, you know, I need money <laughs> to basically get free. You know, it's a bit of a perverse way of looking at things. Uh, so I was working, I was trading like around the clock, like 24 seven, just doing it, trying to make hundreds of pounds here, hundred pounds there. And then there was one time I did it for like 24 hours, like just drinking Red Bull. Like there was some big opportunity and I, I made like 5,000 pounds in one night. I was like, Oh, that is amazing. You know, I just need to carry on going like this. I'll be at that million pound mark in no time. And like I said, yeah, eventually I made a really, really big mistake because I was a total newbie. I'd been studying, you know, economics, um, off my own back, reading the news, looking through different tips, um, gone on a bit of a trading course, like a cr trading crash course. But the, the, basically, the, I, I had some luck, and that was just making me feel a bit overconfident. Um, and then when I had this big rush of 
funds behind me. I was just taking lots and lots of risk. And then before I knew it, it had completely unraveled, ended up in loads of debt. <laughs> and it was only at the point where I absolutely had nothing to give anymore. That's when I decided to go back to work. I was like, I've, I've got to go back to work now to just pay off all this debt. So then I went back to work and that was probably, you know, around about 2012. But unfortunately, the, the fact that I got into this, uh, it kind of just led to like a slippery slope into taking more risk, you know, like a gambling addiction and do like low level gambling, which just drew on for like a number of years until I got completely fatigued with it. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite a story. I mean, God. Uh, good experience and it's, from what I know and what you've told me already you've obviously learned massive amounts from it but I would love to hear you tell people what you've learned from that and how it's made you who you are today well uh, it's interesting to basically if you've not got respect for something like you're playing with fire you don't know the full liabilities of what you, you're getting into um and then that day comes when you literally wipe out your account. Your account. Um, you've got to be humble, haven't you? I was not humble. <laughs> I was like, I've had this luck in the past. I'm just going to carry on going. I'm going to do something crazy now. I'm going to, I'm going to magic up money out of thin air. Carry on going until there was literally nothing to give anymore. Even then, I was at my credit limit, absolute credit, redlining all my accounts. And I was like, I just need to get more money. Basically, I just need to get more money. I need to keep going. It was just like a complete deluded bubble I was in that I just wanted to carry on going. It was like that endurance aspect of like, I just need to carry on going. That's all I need to do. I just need to carry on going. And it was only eventually um, till I shifted that mindset to doing something else like endurance sport or taking the free time I had and investing it in like reading books and that sort of thing and getting more onto like a philosophical and spiritual path where I could add value to the world that um, I just took the motivation that I had for one thing, shifted it into another realm. And then basically I didn't have time to do it. I, did, I didn't have funds to do it. I, I definitely spent all my funds. Now I was humbled in a humble position where what can I do? I can read, I can go through self-improvement, personal development and invest a lot more developing my body and you know my mind body connection getting into meditation i started going to a buddhist meetup group where we did like a lead meditation and it was also an open discussion about things that were troubling people and how to get over any sort of frustration and anger and i also found out you know following the the big disaster <laughs> i did some kind of personality profiling and uh, something called the Myers-Briggs test. I mean, it's not a prescriptive methodology, but it, give, it definitely can highlight areas of strength and weakness. And I found that I was just definitely running into my weaknesses rather than moving towards fear and trying to overcome fear. I was just basically running into my weaknesses all the time. Why did I want money? I wanted the money just so I could carry on being, living in the, the bubble where I could be just introverted and you know I didn't have to deal with things. So... The fact that I had to go to zero, lack of funds, you know, I had to then deal with things, build myself up again, which was an interesting process and not like a humbling process. And then one way you can start again and hopefully add more, bring more value into the world yeah. um, without being like self-serving 
it sounds like, um, and that's, that is a humbling message, but it sounds like being humbled was the key thing that you got out of that. You know, you got rid of a lot of luggage and baggage, and then you brought yourself back down to earth, back down to zero, literally financially and maybe in uh, personally and spiritually as well. Yeah, I mean, I went as far as when I was in that complete delusional state, I was, um, I just need to get more money. I'd gone and sold my car. I'd gone and, I had a massive DJ record collection. I sold 10,000 pounds worth of vinyl within about six months. And that old money went up in smoke as well. Um, and then it was just this act of like giving everything up. You don't, we don't need this stuff, giving stuff up. And then I'm really inspired by these like people like, the yogis that isolate themselves in like India and they get really spiritual and they're like meditating. And then all they're doing is like doing the yoga and deep breathing and going deep into the consciousness. Um, that started to like really inspire me. Um, also at the same time I was exploring my music passion and I thought, yeah, yeah, it's, there's a lot of parallels here, you know, finding out who you are, finding out who you are as a musician, as an artist and also doing this self-awareness and meditation as well. It all started to marry together. And then I brought to that as well, you know, being less sort of selfish and self-serving as well. You know, what, we don't need all these like attachments. We don't need a lot of stuff that we have, you know, we don't need it. I wanted to go, I wanted to go the whole way and get rid of my phone, get rid of my computer, but you know, the small that's, things, di- yeah. that's difficult to do in this day and age and, and you know, survive, you know, I could, yeah. I've always had this fantasy of like completely cutting myself off and being like this yogi on a, on a mountain, you know, surviving like in the wild sort of thing. But, you know, I've never gone that stage to doing it. I've always yeah. thought, oh, it'd be really good to go and live in a temple and, you know, with like Shaolin monks and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Maybe one day, yeah. Really focusing, uh, they're all really focused in on like existential, you know, what's life mean? And, you know, they're really getting in harmony with life, aren't they? Mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it sounds like because you've gone from almost one extreme to another in the sense that you know you go from like rock bottom to now learning and understanding yourself others and the world around you I get that you've done that which is great but how did you because one can only imagine you know going to the depth of, of that level of of gambling and addiction how did you get out of that I'd be interested to hear more about that so um Initially, like I say, um, I went all the way to like redlining every single account. All my credit limit was absolutely at the breaching point. I'd gone and sold my car, gone and sold everything valuable I could get my hands on and sold it. I even, my parents even tried to help bail me out as well. I just went and spent the money again. It's just like part of me was not willing to give up. And it was like recognizing there is that part of me that's not willing to give up. What can I use that for? How can, I, how can I use that for something else? Even though, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I redlined all my accounts, sold all my stuff, mm. started to work again, got a really well-paid job in banking, and I probably got the sort of highest salary I've, I've had to date working in banking. And um, it was just like a banking admin job, you know. Um, so did that help you get out of it or how did you? It didn't, no, no. I just ended up spending all that money. So eventually, you know, I don't know, time goes on. The, the, the more you, you spend doing this sort of spiritual development, meditation, reading philosophy, 
realizing that it's not all about you, be less selfish. Um, and then at the same time, recognizing I had this like music passion as well. My main thing was wanting to become like a, some kind of artist, wanting to express myself, which is probably the problem I've had my whole life, you know, because I had this introversion. Um, I always wanted to be understood and bring some kind of art into the world and, and then bring that so people go, oh, yeah, I can really get the mood of what, how you're feeling. Mm. That so is like being like my number one passion, which I'm still not like, uh, I'm still developing at the moment. Um, but it was like shifting that focus of just purely like going after money and mm. that sort of thing. So that's the key thing, shift, shifting focus, you would say, shifting, getting out of that. Shifting focus. I mean, taking time, you would have idle time, investing that time reading, investing that time in endurance sport. For me, it was endurance sport. Like I was cycling probably very, like, I'll be cycling like eight hours a day. Wow. I did some big trip across North Wales where I cycled all the way across North Wales camping as well. Um, and that was really interesting because I think I was carrying everything I needed on, on the bike and just cycling. You know, it's that thing of like using your body, using your effort to get some place and also synchronizing up with nature as well, it be out, being outdoors and camping. Mm. And it's like, getting back to nature. Um, it's kind of like a spiritual process, you know, um, that feeling of you going back to nature, you're putting all your own effort in, you're really aware of your body and how much energy is going in. And like I say, it was all to do with fitness and endurance and it was all coming together. And then when I, when I, when I stopped cycling, I would do a bit of meditation, reading some like Tao, Taoist philosophy that I was into um, and yeah, and you would be there appreciating what was there in the present, you know, the weather, what was there now. You don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to worry whereas, about the past. Yeah, whereas what is, before, yeah, what's happening now is what is important. Mm, yeah, whereas before you're always focused on obviously chasing the next, the next, uh, you know, jackpot you'll win or the next trade that you'll you'll win or fix or guess. And uh, you know, it sounds like you finally got to that stage where you were able to just be at one with yourself now after that James did you or during that period if you like were you battling with anything else so like including the addiction were you battling with like things like depression or physical other mental diseases or ailments that were holding you back as well I think um reflecting back on it to have been drawn in so much and so strongly into this depression had to be like an underlying factor that I felt so desperate to push it that far Mm. Um, it's unusual it's quite complex depression really I mean some people say they feel you know a bit bored you know they could be slightly depressed um, it's really really complex thing I think depression you know I was never feeling like suicidal I just felt like life was passing me by and I was missing out and I'm not following my dream not not engaging with my purpose and that these were the major factors that would depress me <coughs> And on top of that, I'd probably isolated myself on purpose to do what I wanted to do. Um, so is that a strange mix of like isolation, life passing you by, and you know you're not fulfilling your purpose? That was mm. at the heart of my depression. Yeah. Which I'm not saying it's the same for everyone else, but um, yeah, that's what I would say. Depression, 
And I also had the sort of anxiety as well, yeah. down to the sort of social awkwardness and shyness that's been a pattern throughout my early life. So these things were always in the background. And it was only when I went on that personal development journey that I started to challenge these and overcome fear and just go out, meet people, talk to random people, open up to people. And immediately I felt a lot better. Yeah. And I can imagine because one, one of the big things I've seen with, uh, whether it be from personal experience or others and talking to students, clients and people like that with depression, not just men, but particularly men as well as that we feel like we, we need a purpose in life, which is important. And if we don't have one, we feel like we are directionless. There is no path for us to, to either create, forge or walk down. And if you don't have that, yeah, as a man, you don't really feel like a man, do you? You feel like it's, uh, you're missing out, as, or as you said, put it wonderfully, life is passing you by. So it's yeah, interesting that. The, um, that my depression manifested itself in anger and like frustration. And it's funny how um, anger and aggressiveness is somehow seen as like a positive attribute in some ways is in society as like being like a, like a positive drive. Well, it can mask like an underlying depression, you know, frustration, uh, like um, developing into anger. And, you know, emotions become complicated when they become all interwoven like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I find that massively. I mean, being a massive advocate and practitioner of martial arts, as you know, it's it's not the aggression isn't the the aim, but it's channeled aggression because obviously if you don't channel it, as you say, it bottles up and it it then intertwines with other emotions and other states of being and presence, which don't really work in your favor and or your surrounding uh, family, friends and environment's favor either. So with that in mind, uh, James, what kind of message would you want to convey to people listening to this? So I know you're big on habits, rituals, thoughts and behaviors, but tell me more about those kind of things and, and what the overarching message should be for those things. Um, Here's an interesting theme, good and bad, they're only defined in your own mind. And a lot of suffering is caused by people trying to hold on to things that are just impermanent. Time is going on like a, uh, an arc of like change and everything's continually changing. This is why it's so interesting to do spiritual work and mindfulness and you realize we're just part of some giant cycle you can never really grasp onto anything other than what's happening right now. Um, so just to try and set ridiculous goals for the future or dwell on things from the past, it only is causing self-imposed suffering, which when you do this like spiritual work, personal development and start to do a bit of diving into your consciousness, you can recognize that. Mm. I mean, people say they want to be rich. They want to have a big house, you know, this just setting up, future depression of things that they might not ever be able to goals that they might not ever ever be able to reach whereas they need to basically appreciate what's happening now what's happening now there's like a lot you can be thankful for and if you can embrace the now unburden yourself with all these things that are ideas about future i mean a lot of people sign up to mortgages and they're just creating like liabilities of and worries 
things they're going to like worry about. Oh, I've got to pay this off. I've got to pay that off. Um, having yeah. said that, you know, I'm living with my parents now and that's one of the reasons I feel so unburdened, but it's very difficult in this modern age because we're told we need to have certain things. Mm. Need to meet certain status symbols. Yeah. And you need to, um, <clears throat> As, as you've pretty much highlighted keep up with the joneses as it says and if you are perpetually trying to do that of course you'll you know no matter how much money you have you'll be perpetually unhappy but it's a it's a fine line isn't it because as, as you know doing as a podcast host yourself and obviously wanting to do business and various things we we all need money to survive but it's not the figure it's what you do with it isn't it it's the the freedom and the opportunities that it can create that if it's used in the right context you know as you have um, really honestly shared with us always you could use it to just try and accumulate more for the sake of accumulation with things like gambling or you could put it into your passion your pride and and your path and impact and provide value back to the wider society yeah me myself now um i've still got like some debt to pay off but when i get into a position where i'm self-supporting i would just be like to be very generous any money that I don't require, I will just give it up. You know, I'll just give it up uh, for some charitable cause. I would really like to develop myself to get into like public speaking and then how powerful is that to just say, I'll come donating all this money to a good cause because I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not needing anything. I'm not needy. I don't need to have a silly sports car. I'm happy to just be roaming around the wild with like, <laughs> with like a blanket on, reading, you know, philosophy. Uh, it sounds like a, a silly image, but when the more you go in, invest in your mind, um, and get into mindfulness and get into the now, the more you realise is that is all you really have that you take into the grave with you. Is like your actions. Are you going to be a good person, helpful to people? have a positive impact or are you just going to be one of these people who like hoards everything and it's like clamoring for fame clamoring for you know status and that sort of thing it's all rubbish i think you know the more you can look within yourself and go it's, it's every now and again people have like a wake-up call or like a big shock in their life they have like a health problem and they go oh my god i just need to live now as if every every day is like a day, uh, you know, every, every day I'm living now is like basically my last day. And I've, I've not had any sort of shocking um, health problems or anything like that, but I have gone through these stages where I thought I, I literally need to live like as if every day is my last day. And doing that for a long time, um, you know, you do become less, you become more selfless and less sort of self-serving yeah. and thinking, yeah, I can make a positive impact on people and gain happiness from doing that as well. Yeah. And that's, that's important too, to be able to, you know, one feel fulfilled in your actions and also feel fulfilled in your thoughts. So with that in mind, I think that brings us nicely to understanding your uh, recommendations around acquiring this, if you like state of mind or state of being, I know you're big on meditation and things like that. But let's start with meditation first. Can you tell us one, how you meditate and why you do so? Okay. Um, I've been meditating in a few different ways for over the past couple of years. And I've always been a very reflective thinker. 
like I'd always sit and I suppose daydream and, and think about stuff. But what I've learned about meditation is it's more about stripping back the layers. So you get into the essential nature and um, you're not thinking about the sensory input. You know, you can, you can use the sensory input to relax you into a state of almost like trance-like state where you're feeling so relaxed and you're peeling back the layers. But ultimately it's about, you know, removing all those sensory inputs. And then it's just, your mind is aware, your mind's awake, your mind's aware, you're not sleeping, but your, your mind is not like grabbing onto things, you know, a thought is coming along like a cloud, but then it might move on and then you're not trying to grasp after it. You're just basically watching it like a, a movie. What's happening now? I'm not thinking. <laughs> I'm trying to have an empty mind. Mm. Um, something might come along, you know, you might, you might feel nice, you might feel negative, and, but you're not trying to grasp onto things and you're not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past. So that's been what I've learned about getting into that peak meditation state um i've been going to a buddhist meditation led meditation at the weekends and they have something called a loving kindness meditation where we will get into that state initially where through a process of like body awareness almost feeling like the blood going through your veins you know are you comfortable in your posture you don't want any backache you don't want to be leaning too far forward or too far back. You've got to be in the absolute perfect, most comfortable position so that you can almost feel like you're floating, your head is floating. And that is good in itself. But then what they also do is try and do loving kindness meditation where you think about people close to you um, and think about sending out positive thoughts to them. But then you take that, you take in your mind, you think of someone else that you have problems with and you visualize them together and you also try and feel positively about them. And then you think about people that you've got a lot of problems with and you think about all these people collected together and think, yeah, you really like thinking positive thoughts, well wishing for them. And it was only recently that I came to some uh, idea about that where um, we all have our, we all break down to our own human needs. And at some baseline point, we all need the same needs. Evil people, good people, people that annoy us. At some point, there's like a primitive level where we all have the same basic needs. And then when you can think, start thinking like that, it really like gets you thinking about, um, you know, a lot of us are just creating a lot of issues purely from our own thoughts and They're negative not. relationships just purely from what we think is good and bad. You know, at a primitive level, we all have the same fundamental needs. Yeah, there are some things which, uh, as you say, whether it be, uh, you've probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs or in a simple sense yeah. or you know, we need our physical, physical, physiological needs met and then everything else can be 
uh, catered for but that's I've not I mean I've heard of similar variations of that kind of meditation but that's a good one because I guess even those you the loving kindness one if you don't like you learn to accept at least and you kind of let go and be be in that state but that's obviously a um, a mental <clears throat> if you like a way of allowing you to be present and being in that state of mind now with that in mind how does that one help you achieve your goals and two what are your goals for the next one three and five years that could be both business and personal i would say one of my goals is basically not to get those feelings of frustration and anger of people being in your way you know we can all help people you know recognizing different people and their different approaches and We've all had those people that are awkward people to deal with, you know, and they're boiling like anger and frustration is like within you and we want to react to them. But we can, uh, through this sort of meditation and mindfulness process, we can be more sort of objective. I don't, I don't mean like emotionless because it's bad to sort of block emotions up. But we can be like more objective and still generous to people that we don't like. And then having that sort of giving ethos only helps you when you're trying to promote yourself and get your message out and people can see that you're like a very good, generous person Mm. leading by giving. Um, And that can only lead to good things coming in your direction. Yeah. And what was the other thing you said in the next five years? That answers the, yeah, definitely how you're using it, which is great. The next session is how are you going to use that and or in general, what are your goals for the next one, three and five years, both business and personal? I'd say um, business and personal goals in the next one, three and five years. I really want to, this year, like um, you've mentioned, uh, have my own podcast. And part of that process of creating a podcast is to engage with people, create your own voice, and attract things into your life, expand your network by, you know, developing your own voice, saying, these are my interests, these are my ideas, I'm engaging with these people, X, Y, Z people. And that can only help attract other things that you're interested in back into your life. Um, Free as well, totally free of charge. (laughs) It's not like you're having to pay for stuff. Mm. By just engaging with people on issues that they're interested in you're reaching out to those people um and me myself like i said as i've been introverted for most of my life this is definitely a new way of working for me um usually i just like to be in my own little private bubble where i can retreat and deal with things on my own but then when we reach out to people and say look i've got this weakness this is what i need help with can you help me with this you know, we can only grow from doing that sort of stuff. So I would like to do that in terms of the podcast to do with all areas in terms of like spiritual nature, philosophical, and more so really into science as well. But I'd also like to develop it in terms of like my artist output and everything to do with music that I'm interested in. Brilliant. Cool. Sounds good. We can, uh, what's the name of your podcast so people can tell us about it a bit more? So the name of my podcast is called Fire In My Mind 
And why uh, did you why did you call it that? Because I know I introduced it at the start, but fire in my mind. Why did you call it that? The reason I came up with that name was uh, because fire has always been like a potent symbol of transformation throughout history, and you think cavemen were inspired by the the campfire, and you know they were telling stories around the campfire. Fire has been very symbolic of passion, um, and you know there's that aspect of fire being you know, inspirational and representing passion, but also being something that's out of control. So I wanted to bridge both subjects or both areas in my podcast, you know, basically personality disorders that get out of control and it's like a fire that's out of control, but also the transformative nature of fire and passion and the, the, the idea that fire can be something warming that inspires you on like a, a, a cold night in the outdoors. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I actually love the name. So uh, it's interesting to hear the story behind it as well because I didn't know that. So that is great. I think the name is a bit, you know, uh, someone told me I should go for like a two word name and it is a bit of a mouthful, but I just really like the symbolism of it and the way that fire has just been so important throughout history and it tie, it, you know, passion and that sort of thing. It can tie into a lot of subjects to do with personal development and consciousness yeah and sometimes look i mean yeah two words would be nice but at the same time if if the phrase has a deeper meaning then you can create within two words so be it you know that's that is actually more interesting to me hence why i asked the the rationale behind the name then if you just called it fire mind or mind on fire or something like that you know in three words it's it's powerful so good on you so there, there is an example in in the 1950s of a Buddhist monk that was protesting that set fire to himself called Tik Kwang Duk. I think I'm pronouncing that name correctly. And uh, yeah, it's called self-immolation. He actually burned himself to protest against something. I think it was in Vietnam yeah. um, to do the war. He burned himself. And there's a, a video on each one. It's crazy, it's isn't it? Video I've on seen it's a like yeah. someone would do that yeah it's <laughs> i think in the buddhist community self-immolation is quite a, i won't say common thing but that's one way they um they protest quite quite often compared to others <laughs> yeah but it's, it's crazy and but then when you I, dig deep into what, how could someone get to that point where they can do that and they, they were sitting in the lotus pose just perfectly being burnt alive you know that takes like some powerful belief to, to do that so that's when I really started to get interested in their philosophy and their, I really started to dig deep into Eastern philosophy and, you know, Buddhism as well. Awesome. So tell us, uh, James, a little bit about a story in your time, in your journey, when you experienced an aha moment of realisation. Mm, that's interesting. Um, an aha moment. I'm sure you've had many, but what's the one that comes to mind? I would say, let me think, if I could pick one aha moment. Um, definitely been a few different aha moments. There was a time that I recognised that I was definitely, definitely like an introverted character. Um, I'd been cast in the starring role in some Christmas play at Sunday school. And when it came to the actual day, I did absolutely everything I could to get out of it. <laughs> it was like relentless. Think of the most like ruthless person just like trying to get out of something. I was like, Mom, I'm definitely sick. I just cannot do this. I tried to pull the wool over her eyes. I put like poured soup down the toilet, pretending I was sick. I pulled the duvet over my head. She dragged me there, dragged me there. 
said, look, you've, you've got me there in the car, but I'm not getting out of the car. He dragged me out of the car. I was like, I just totally shut down. I was like, I'm not, do- I'm not doing it. Just definitely not doing it. <laughs> and then it's, this is interesting, actually, because once you get away with something like that, that can become like a habit then that develops. Once you get away with something as a child, you know, you get let off the hook. You think, oh, I can always do that again. I, I can pull that trick. Yeah. I've tried many times um, in, you know, my college work and my school work. And I was like, I had my homework, I had to be handed in. But um, I was, and uh, I knew it was going to be handed in late. But I was such like a perfectionist. I was like, I'm going to find some excuse so that I can get that really good mark and not hand it in late. And I was getting my, I was like getting my mum to write sick notes. I was just completely ruthless trying to get time off school to get these extra extensions. And that followed me, that pattern followed me all the way up to university where I was always trying to come up with some excuse to hand my work in late because I developed this like perfectionist tendency yeah. and I've been rewarded by getting like really good grades. I've been getting away with it for far too long. And like I say, it became... So- at university, they eventually said, oh, enough is enough. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting penalized for this. Yeah. And that was like, only was that, since then. Was that the realization or was there? That was probably the realization. And then actually going into the world of work when you, basically you're not going to get paid until you do something. You know, that really shattered my, my little bubble that I'd yeah. created for myself, you know. It's mad because the, the, you know, as you say, you're quite rightly highlighted is that you know when you things you do as a little kid people don't realize it it carries on into your adult life and if you have don't have the right guidance or teaching or schooling or knowledge uh you know i I see plenty of people who in that 30s 40s 50s 60s are still actually just replaying bad habits and ideologies from their childhood and yes, some are to blame personally and some parents too, I guess, in society. Uh, but that's a, that's a fascinating realisation. And I guess in some ways, maybe you're thankful to your mum for dragging you out of the car. <laughs> well, um, this, this is the thing. Uh, at that stage in my life, I was really getting away with getting my own way. And it just followed me all the way up to university. And, and then it was only when I actually got the job and I was getting paid it's like, if, you, if, you, if you're not getting the work done, you're not, you're not going to get paid. Yeah. It was then when it actually hit home, you know, how important it was to get things done. Mm. Well, but I think that, you've changed that, now. Look, look what you're doing now, launching a podcast and, you know, all sorts yeah. of stuff. So, That's like maybe. a long time to, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years to have that, like, behaviour, getting away with it, getting away with it for so long. You know, that, that kind of really sticks, especially if you're being rewarded as well because you're getting really good grades, you're getting really good marks and you're getting some recognition people saying you're gifted and all this sort of stuff. Mm. It really reinforces and creates more of a dominant personality in that area. Yeah, it gives you that sort of confirmation bias that you're probably looking for when you intend it. That's exactly what it is. It develops that bias within you. Mm. Um, So that's good to disrupt those biases and then always rethink. So that's definitely an aha moment. Mm. yeah and especially if you analyze it honestly as you've clearly done now in retrospect and said to yourself well is this something that I can continue with and when you realize that oh well I'm not going to get paid if I continue like this then obviously it's not sustainable so with that in mind James you've changed a lot over the years share a few personal habits and or daily routines that contribute to your success okay so I'd say my personal routines they are um I always like to read. I always like to be reading a book. 
at the start of 2018, I was thinking I need to, I really want to push this. I want to read one book a week. I thought that was a reasonable goal to set. But as you get busier and busier, you know, you fall off the wagon and, uh, you know, I can see the books building up because I've been, I've been carrying on buying the books, but not reading them. So I've got absolutely tons of books. I've got tons of books on my reading list on Kindle. And then I've got like um, a big library of books at home as well, all to do with, um, I suppose, nature writing, which I'm quite interested in. Um, and, you know, science, philosophy. Um, let's have a look. Spirituality as well, I assume. Yeah, spirituality. Um, um, I really like to take inspiration from nature in terms of like spirituality. Yeah, I mean, so you, can, you can go out and experience nature. It's there for you to. It's there for you to access, and it's free. Yeah, yeah, it's free. Yeah, so that's reading, which is a, a great one of the most powerful habits one can uh, implore themselves to do. What else, if anything? I would say it was definitely the fitness. I've I've, I've tried to. I've tried to do meditation in the morning, but I found I'm one of these people that gets up right at the last minute. As soon as I wake up, I start thinking about stuff. Stuff's got running through my head. I'm thinking, oh, I need to do this, need to do that. So I find it hard to get into doing a bit of meditation in the morning. My perfect time for doing meditation is straight after exercise when like blood is like absolutely pumping through my body. And then I've got that body awareness aspect in terms of i'm really aware of like the blood pumping around my body my temples um and it helps me to get into that meditative state um yeah i usually do some like jogging or some hit exercise routine um in the morning and then after work um i always try and do some kind of weight weight routine which i've heard is the best way to to schedule training you know do cardio in the morning and do weight training at night in terms of stimulating different hormone processes within the body and i've tried to sync that up with my diet as well in the in the morning i might skip breakfast i'll have i'll start the day drinking a lot of water sometimes just hot water um i'll skip my breakfast eat quite light i might eat a banana then i'll have my main meal at 12 o'clock um, try and consume the majority of my calories then so that I won't need to snack in the afternoon because if you snack in the afternoon, it always uh, irritates your stomach when you come in to go to the gym. So I always want to be in the sort of peak position to be going to the gym at five o'clock and having the right amount of energy. I might have like a, an espresso to just kickstart me into the gym and then I get straight into some hits straight away. Then I go into do my weights. I really like doing squats and front squats and deadlifts and stuff like that. Probably do them two, twice or three times a week because I think they really stimulate stimulate your body um, in terms of like the central nervous system and different hormone processes that I've learned from YouTube. You know, there's different tips for doing weightlifting. I really used to be one of these people that was taking all the different supplements, whey protein, creatine, you know, branched chain amino acids and trying to gain weight and eat like tons of eggs a day. <laughs> and I just did it really as a bit of an experiment to see how my body reacted. And I think my body, I was dragging my body kicking and screaming, trying to put weight on it, just doesn't want to put weight on. I tried to have 
eat a lot of calories, but I just ended up building like a big sort of spare tire around the middle. And then fair enough, I did get stronger. Um, but it was only when I came to do the ripping cycle. Um, I did like a bulk cycle for a year and then I did a ripping cycle for a year. And I just prefer the ripping cycle. One, I looked a lot better. I did, I probably shed about four stone over about six months because I just really got into cycling. Um, and I carried on doing bits of weightlifting, but I could tell my strength was uh, going away a little bit because I cut all the way and the creating and all these different supplements. But hey, man, we don't, we don't need to go that route. I mean, it's just a big con to buy all supplements. You know, it's just a big money spinner for these companies. Oh, yeah. Definitely. No, uh, interesting. Thanks for sharing. There, there is definitely uh, <clears throat> some dodgy stuff out there, especially in the uh, fitness industry. It's probably the, one of the dodgiest industries out there. But yeah, the, the supplements, the forms of training that aren't healthy and, you know, we won't go into that right now. But yeah, it's, you know, you've got to really bury yourself down the rabbit hole and find out. And even then, when you think you found out, there's, there's a lot more to go. So that's... Uh, I think uh, there's no blanket way for everyone to train. You know, there's, there's the basics, you know, portion size and, and that sort of thing. And obviously you can say do a bit of cardio and a bit, bit, bit of weightlifting, but it's very much an individual thing, a trial and error that you've got to discover for yourself what suits you best. Yeah, I'm with you, definitely. So what are your, with that in mind then, James, what are your strategies for success? So you've told me about, you know, reaching out and uh, how to deal with criticism and things like that in the past and mindfulness, but tell us a bit more about what your strategies for success are. Um, I think we can always be full victim to our own thoughts, you know, negative emotions like we briefly mentioned previously. Um, so it's being mindful of that. And, you know, if you are going to set goals, set realistic goals that uh, you know you can check in on regularly, not like a goal. I've got a goal in a year's time to be like a millionaire. You're never going to get there. You know, set a realistic goal, um, something that you can go out tomorrow and do. You can go out and network. You can meet people. You can discuss your interests. You can then be in a position to make things happen. Do you know what you want now, or do you need to go and speak to people before you you realise what you want? A lot of it is basically our heads are just filled up with a load of rubbish that we get sent out in the media about what we need, but we don't actually need it. You know, you know what we need is very basic. So it's one, it's that developing that self-awareness and recognizing that um, to be a bit more modest, a bit more humble. And yeah, in terms of success, it's, I don't know. Is success important? Success is really highly prized in society today, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously you define it as you please, right? So, what's more important, happiness or success? You know, I think it's more important to be comfortable who you are, yeah. happy, successful. You know, you could say being happy is being successful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, cool. I'm interested in that definitely. So definitely with the the reaching out, and sometimes it's small girls because you know we. I, massive big goals too but sometimes it's you know if you don't break that down into realistic daily targets and things that you can quantifiably understand and reach out to at that point in time you're going to get lost in the the mirror if you like and it's going to get a bit uh hard to to really capture that so with that in mind obviously we're talking about success but 
tell us a story, James, in, of a time in your journey when you experienced failure and share what you learned from it. Um, I would say uh, my, biggest fa- <laughs> my biggest failure has been quitting my job to become a would-be day trader that has no experience doing it. <laughs> Shouldn't be doing it. Has no business being there. Uh, went literally all in. Um, and yeah, that was like a big, it probably set me back at least five years, at least five years in terms of like burning through all of my assets and then having to build myself back up again. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, yeah, I know I had that, but was that important? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably important to be, um, you know, it probably was important to be self-sufficient and support myself. Like I said, I'm living with my parents now. Mm. So the story tells itself there. Um, so, I mean, a lot of what I've pushed my, myself through, a lot of people would be very, very depressed about <laughs> to go through um, some of the stuff. You know, it's hard to really bounce back from that. But, um, yeah, I would say... Yeah. I have, yeah, by by reaching deep, you know, digging deep, going into my consciousness, finding out what are my motivations, what is my, what's my soul strategy, Mm. what am I, what am I about, why, you know, existential stuff, what am I here for, you know, time is just running on, running on, time is a limited resource, but, you know, we can always get money, you know, money's not that important, but we can always get more money but time is definitely limited and we definitely need to use our time uh, as effectively as possible. We don't want to go to the grave with like regrets. We might not always have our health. So, you know, focusing on time, especially as you get to my age now, passing 35, you realize, you know, (laughs) the opportunities run out the older you get. Um, when you when you're quite young in your twenties, you think, oh, you know, life is just unlimited opportunities. You've got a million chances to do stuff, but it's only as you mature you realize, you know, time is a limited resource. Make the most of it. Have a positive impact. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I actually didn't know how old you were. I was going to ask, so that's that's interesting to uh, understand because yeah, I'm, I'm not that far behind. I'm 26, but at the same time, you know, I do sort of look proactively into the future and realize already that time is short but of course as the years tick by uh, even more so so yeah wonderful message and with that in mind so in recent times James what development either in your area of expertise or in the health well-being philosophy martial arts or business spheres has excited you the most um I'd say I've been really fascinated with eastern philosophy especially Taoism and you know, I was always interested in like Bruce Lee and Shaolin monks. And ever since I was like a teenager, you know, Bruce Lee is so charismatic, isn't he? Mm. You know, he's like a perfect advert for like martial arts, um, you know, and the mystery of it and like self-discipline and discipline in the body so that, you know, you can be like a sort of Superman sort of thing. Um, and on top of that, I've always been fascinated with this idea of like chi, you know, I mean, people uh, going back into like yoga in India, people being interested in the same idea, not maybe not called it chi, but um, it's the similar idea of like a life force. And it's through this 
self-discipline through exercise, you know, stretching and suppleness and, you know, maybe the martial arts as well, um, moving your body and you can start to feel it. Um, this is something I'm completely uh, fascinated by and I'll probably spend my lifetime like pursuing it and trying to improve. Like I say, um, so far, I've felt like I've taken steps towards it, you know, in my own way, through doing like lots of running and meditation and, you know, being aware of like your blood flow and your breathing and your meditation and how it all works together. So I think that's been a major thing. Another thing I've been interested in is, um, let's think, um, something um, grounding, which is like the electrical energy given off by the earth. Can um, you tell people a bit more about that? I mean, I do it myself, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts and so people can, how it benefits you, people. Uh, people have thought for a long time that grounding has been beneficial for your health. You know, walking barefoot outside or just being purely in contact with nature, doing the gardening, something as simple as that, uh, as a way of drawing out electrical energy out of your body, you know, like discharging energy that might build up I think this kind of energy can build up purely from your habits, your breathing habits and your negative thoughts you're having. You might be stuck at a chair at an office job all day, not breathing, really bad posture, developing all kinds of aches and ailments, um, creaky, creakiness. Um, you're like, oh my God, I feel terrible. You've got pains in my chest. And I think it's all to do with like this chi idea of electrical energy and it's all building up and not balancing out uh, but it's only when you go and do stuff outdoors, stop breathing properly, stop grounding yourself, um, that it can help discharge that electrical energy. And what else? Yeah, I thought there was something else, but I can't remember. I think I think that cuts it. I mean, those are some great examples, obviously, how one, how, uh, yeah, you know, chi and in, I guess in yoga, they call it prana, I believe. Um, and, Bruce Lee being the, if you like, the, um, <clears throat> the, the iconic martial artist, you know, the true genuine iconic martial artist and the, and she is the life force as well. So it's, yeah, it's fascinating because I was, as you say, if the, um, I believe in Chi, they, you know, they say if, if the meridians are blocked, then of course the energy won't flow. So that's effectively what we're getting at. It's like, if you have blockages in whichever sense, physical, mental, spiritual, psychological, the, the energy won't get wet to where it needs to, and therefore, you know, the health will suffer. So, this is nothing I realized actually. You know, emo- uh, if you internalize your emotions, it can create the blocks can go into any, like yeah. into the body. You know, the body has like memory. Yeah. You know, if you if you have like some anxiety, it can go into your like diaphragm, stomach area, and you've got this tenseness there, and then it get the, the tension gets embedded in your body until you find a way to release it. And that, mm. my way of releasing tension has been through exercise at the moment. That's been my most successful way. But there's all sorts of other ways, you know, just the therapy and talking and you know, getting back in touch with nature, relaxing generally. Mm. I think ultimately what we're getting at is this wholesome approach. You know, you can't say, oh, I'm just going to sit there and do breathing exercises all day or just talk. You know, you have to, right, how can we take care of the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the psychological, the emotional, everything, and how it intertwines with one another. So... With that in mind, moving on to the health and well-being industry in general, James, what are your thoughts on that? I think um, a lot of 
the health and well-being industry, you know, a lot of what we see has like marketing budget behind it. And they're wanting to sell something, basically. They want to sell some new fad diet, new fad exercise routine where they can say, yeah, I I took XYZ supplements to get this body. And it's all related to the aesthetic nature of um, getting a body that you want. Everyone's seen body is like the ultimate. But the more philosophical and spiritual you get, you realize the body is just impermanent. and You need to accept that life is impermanent. And the more you can embrace that, the more accepting and happy you'll be. You know, if you if you're like this person that's sort of over the hill with like man boobs and like a big spare tire, you know, like I need to have like some Brad Pitt um <laughs> washboard stomach and like defined pecs, you know, you you're going after something that's not realistic. You know, you need to accept life is about impermanence. Embrace that. It's what Buddhist people or you know, the philosophy teachers, you know, the beauty of impermanence. Things are always changing and we should accept it. Mm. Wonderful. And with that in mind, then you mentioned, you know, men with the man boobs and the spare tires and things like that. What issues do you see that men should be thinking about? I think especially diet, people are not very mindful about diet, you know, um, whether it's eating junk food or not being mindful or they're being told to go on some fad paleo diet where they just eat meat but they're not conscious of how the meat is being produced and all the crap that goes into it all the hormones and steroids and stuff like that and how that is going on has a knock-on effect there's an interesting guru that i like listening to called sad guru and he just says you your body's just an accumulation of everything you've ever ate and it's, it's so true like you know we are basically we've transformed food into our body this body is like, you know, thousands of bananas, eggs, and <laughs> that sort of thing. You know, these, the, we, we break down all the molecules and then they're with us for life. So yeah. we don't want, to, we need to be mindful about what we consume, not just eating crap that's probably gone through like an industrialized process, had loads of additives, and, or, you know, we're eating animals that have like, being sort of treated cruelly you know i've not always been mindful of this sometimes you're like oh my god i just need a protein hit and you go to kfc or something you're like if i don't get this protein now i'm probably gonna shed some muscle i've gone through all, all that all those sorts of thoughts but um when you can create a routine and a structure that works for you i now i try and eat quite a lot of vegetarian food but i don't want to create like a big deficit in my diet so I will eat meat maybe twice a week, but I mainly rely on getting protein from like sardines. I've cut out dairy completely. Nice. I think sardines are just like a like super power food, especially for men. They've got like zinc in them, protein, and you know you can get calcium from the bones as well. So I swear by sardines. I will eat one. I'll eat tin of sardines a day for the rest of my life. It's also the type of fish that doesn't pick up toxins as well. So, yeah, I think sardines are like my number one tip. <laughs> Fair enough. No, interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Sadhguru is, uh, if anyone wants to search him up, S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. He has some very interesting things to say. And I think I've actually heard that video as well where he talks about the accumulation of food and how that manifests as your physical self and therefore mental self too. But the tips that you, um, 
Yeah, sure as well. I think, yeah, like you say, there's no one size that fits all. You have to, this is where self-experimentation comes in. We have to really try and become the own masters of our own body and mind rather than just always outsourcing it. Yes, there's great greatness and uh, humbleness in outsourcing, you know, for help for experts like yourself or me in some uh, respect. But then there is a certain level of self-care and responsibility that one must take. So that yeah, I think really- we should uh, really inspire people to, want to dis- the desire to discover it for themselves you know the experimentation to discover it for themselves because it is very much a trial and error process yeah um yeah i thought i had something else to say but i've forgotten it's <laughs> <laughs> all good we all go blank i yeah i had some a few you know simple ways of, of putting it one one by my wing chun teacher you know he's a fascinating man he would tell me he would give me the tools, you know, but you must use them. Obviously, that's the simplest way of putting that, it. That is what I wanted to say, actually. You know, the best teacher will lead you to be your own guru, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The other way is the whole, you know, I can take the horse to water, but I can't force it to drink. You know, that that kind of understanding that, you know, if water is the life force, as it is in many ways, or one of them, you know, you want it, but are you willing to take it, you know? Otherwise, you'll drown. Yeah, yeah. So... With that in mind, are there any resources, James, like websites, videos, books, workshops, etc., that you would recommend to people listening? Um, I would say my favourite thing um, or books of, or sources I've been consulting have been Taoist philosophy, Buddhist philosophy. Cool. Very much into uh, an author called Deng Ming Deo. And uh, he makes a lot of the old... Chinese classical philosophical literature more accessible because when you go into it for like direct translation, it can mean nothing to most people. You know, you need someone to recontextualize it and that's what this author does. So he's been a very good access point to the Taoist philosophy for me. Wonderful. I also, you know, I like checking out some European philosophers and psychologists as well. One of them being Eric Fromm um, and Carl Jung. And I'm just having a look at my bookshelf now, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, other than those guys, I think I'm, I'm quite a, a big reader of science literature. I'm just fascinated by processes that are, or discoveries that are uncovered. But I think there's a lot of arrogance in science as well, saying this is like the new dogma, believe this. It's, mm-hmm. ba- it's basically like replacing religion. Yeah, saying we found the new truth, but no one actually knows the ultimate truth. You just mm. have to be in that searching process where you're looking at new things all the time. That's how yeah. what I believe. So yeah, I do that's like. To- that's what the if you like the the hardline atheists have done, isn't it? You know, like the, the, the typical, like if you like Richard Dawkins or whatever. You know, great insights in many ways, but as you say, at the same time, it's like, all right, you can't just replace religion with. Uh, I don't want to call it emptiness, but you know, you need something which is not too dogmatic i said it just becomes like an, a new dogma where people can say oh right yeah that's right you know <laughs> nothing's yeah, yeah. right absolutely nothing is right you just need to go and discover things for yourself like i said in good and bad are just purely created in your own mind if you can be in that position where you're constantly seeking and then you just constantly weighing stuff up and then i like to think of like the taoist philosophy as well which thinks of everything in just some always going in continual cycles and the sort of arc of impermanence and combining that with the idea that we shouldn't be grasping things in the future or the past. We should be 
really making the most of the now. These are definitely things that I've incorporated into my philosophy in my life and I try and bring them into my daily routines as well. So stay in the present. Wonderful. Let's so James, let's wrap up on a few short, snappy and signature questions. So the first one is what advice would you give to the young boys who are venturing into manhood? Um, I would think you know, that it's confusing at your age because you're going a lot of what is in the media. The media is just sending out a ton of messages because they just want to sell a load of rubbish to you. And you need to think my life is basically like a discovery of like seeing new, new things and comparing them and seeing what works for me and not just taking one person's point of view and accepting it as fact. We're in the information age now where people can, who have a platform have the money to spend behind the marketing and shout the loudest, they can just literally cut through all the noise and say this, yeah, no, this is the way, this is the right way. But the truth is there is no right way. You have to find your own way. And that is the message of Taoism, find your own path. Mm, yeah, and it's a wonderful path. As you say, it's more like the misinformation age, not the information age, right? So yeah, yeah. it's fascinating, wonderful. What keeps you awake at night? Oh, that's an interesting one. I would say uh, I've always been one of these overthinkers because I've always been very reflective. And sometimes I will be thinking, I'm one of these people that even though I'm sleeping, I will be dreaming, I'll be thinking pretty much all night. It's, it can be a terrible problem, to be honest with you. Sometimes I wake up and I'm completely exhausted. I'm one of these people that has dreams every single night. And I think a lot of that is down to you know, things in life that I'm not acting out or, you know, frustration and basically expression that I'm not getting out there, bringing into the world, which you can do. The more you engage with people, like you can do with a podcast or you can with expressing yourself through art or writing and getting your message out there, you know, getting things off your chest, being transparent as much as possible, get as much off your chest and then you won't be plagued by all these thoughts for me, particularly being like a creative person, I'm always getting ideas popping into my head and then I'm trying to hold on to those ideas. And then, you know, it can be a terrible problem to be honest with you. Sometimes I cannot get to sleep or I wake up having been dreaming a lot and I wake up completely fatigued. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Definitely. Yeah. It can be very inspirational, but, you know, sleep is just so essential to bring in balance into your life. There's so many processes that happen when you sleep. If you don't get good quality sleep, and I've bought like about three different books on <laughs> the science of sleep just so I can learn more about it and sort of optimize my routine. I think that is one of the keys really, having that routine, the diet routine, your body knows what to expect. You get into that process where you're going to get tired at a certain point every day. And that is one of the things that works the best for me. I've never been one of these people that can just do odd shifts, working odd night shifts and stuff like that. As soon as I do do that, my life literally falls apart. My organization goes out the window. Yeah. I, I lose track of thought all the time. You know, routine is an amazing thing and it ties back into our circadian rhythms as well, which is going back to nature. Mm. Yeah, people don't realize how such a simple, simple thing like having a, a set waking time and a set sleeping time is one of, I mean, there are many other fundamental factors, but one of the simplest and most fundamental things yet nowadays because of the distractions and changes and, 
blue light and various other things, you end up not being able to sleep when you want. So next thing, James, is let's say we are having another conversation 10 years from now. What would you have accomplished in that time? Mm, interesting question. I think um, I will now I've had some realizations in my life through these various ups and downs. Now I've gone the spiritual path. I want to be more positive and more giving, bringing more positivity in the world. In that 10 years, I'm expecting to feel 10 times, you know, if not 100 times the man I am now. I think the more that I can give away, have an impact on other people's lives, it's just going to build me up into a better person. And on top of that, it'll be bringing my life into more balance because I'm not being insular and keeping myself to myself, focusing on myself, focusing on what I want, you know, I'm focusing on bringing more value into the world, engaging with people. Um, and also, if there is one thing I want to hang on to or develop, or it's, it's debatable whether it's an ego thing or a self-expression thing, but it's like wanting to become an artist to express yourself. But I think it just, for the right, for the right personality, it can bring balance to your life. If you're not, I've never been like a very good speaker. Um, my, my speaking style has not always been that smooth. So I always shied away from public speaking, but that's another sort of hurdle or barrier I'm trying to get over t today. I want to develop into a confident public speaker and hit that challenge head on and, and get in front of a load of people and speak confidently, deliver presentations, TED Talks and that sort of thing. And then at the same time, I want to sort of develop my voice as an artist as well, you know, my music passion and that sort of thing. And if I can cover all these areas and develop those in the next 10 years, I will be very, very happy. Brilliant. As well as bringing some sort of balance to my life as well. And it's the feeling that you've had stuff that you've not done or you're like, oh, I really wish I'd done that and I can't because of X, Y, Z. My life's not in balance, you know. You can bring your life back into balance again. I think that creates a lot of happiness and satisfaction. Brilliant. Cool. So, if you had the power to change one thing in the world, in one word, what would it be? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I would say get, get rid of money. I think money, money is like a tool of enslavement and it traps people in debt and wanting basically the, the, the transactional nature of society as we live it now. Like we're always thinking, if I do X, I'm going to get X, you know, and it's thinking you purely act within selfish motives you do one thing and you're going to get receive something back. I think money is really tied into that. It's like an abstraction of value. And basically, you know, it's really weird. You know, a painting can be worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. You know, it's really abstract, the idea of the value, you know, and it kind of, uh, it kind of makes a fool of, uh, you know, the essential things that we need in our lives, you know. Yeah. The essential, the core human needs, whereas people are thinking, no, uh, I want to buy some Damien Hurst <laughs> piece of art for like two million pounds, you know, so I can that's show off. Well. Yeah. yeah, you could give like two, you could do so much with two million pounds that's going to benefit a lot of people. Yeah, I know this is going against a lot of society and what they believe in and what a lot of people are striving for. They all, everything in society is about ego and building yourself up to be bigging yourself up. But um, yeah, I know. 
I'm with you. I'll try and do, it would be interesting to take away money and see what impact it would have. But, you know, pe- people would find some other way to gain power and exploit, exploit others. So there's probably yeah. something that goes back before money about the exploitation of power and gaining advantage over each other, which would be even more fundamental than that. Mm. Okay, cool. You are about to compose your own epitaph or obituary. What would it say? Um, oh, asking some uh, interesting questions here. I'm not sure what I'd put for that. I think I would uh, definitely come up with some kind of philosophical quote about the impermanence of life and not having to try and grasp onto things that are just beyond our control. Accepting things are beyond your control basically will lead you to be happy. Relinquishing control leads you to be happy. You know, trying to be a control freak, uh, it just leads to suffering and, you know, stress. I would cool. have something like that and hopefully inspire people after my death. <laughs> Yeah, no, as you should, you should inspire with your life. And on to the next question then, which relates to that is, how would you, your life and your impact be described by others at your own funeral? Oh my God. Well, I mean, there's a lot to achieve yet. You know, I'm, I'm only at the start of my uh, journey turning over a new leaf. Um, I would say, what was the question again? All right. How would you, your life, and your impact be described by others at your own funeral? I think um, I would like, I'd definitely like to surprise people in some way. Uh, or if not, I'll probably be aiming to inspire people in some sort of way. But through surprise, you can inspire people, can't you? You know, a lot of people deal with shock, the shock value these days in, in the media just basically to know gain popularity but the use of like a you know a surprise or a shock can be like a sudden jolt to people that it inspires them um i don't know what i would say uh, yeah um it's about remember it's about what others yeah yeah would say about you but hopefully think- they would have good things to say and <laughs> <laughs> i don't well, want people to say that i was uh i don't want people to say that I was um selfish or tight-fisted or you know miserly mm. I think that's an embarrassing thing to be go down as as okay. being like a self-serving person that's only thinking about accumulation mm. you have to be my whole ethos now is about giving and uh, what can you give what can you give and that's ultimately going to be satisfying and lead to inner rewards not in terms of like attachments and accumulation and wealth and that sort of thing but yeah and as it says spiritual spiritual health yeah and as it says given then one shall receive hey yeah i mean that's that's another thing actually um i never try and create any expectation you know to give unconditionally Mm. is what i think you should do you know and get away from this idea of being transactional you know some people go oh yeah i'm gonna give but hopefully receive and they get frustrated when they don't receive you know yeah <laughs> you know you're giving that is what you're getting you're you are giving <laughs> exactly and that is the receiving you know, whilst you're giving right very strange but last and almost but definitely not least most important question is in one sentence james explain why do you think we exist that is why are we here hmm often uh, pondered this um are we here 
purely as a, a test. We've got all these obstacles in life to overcome. And uh, is it a test of character to see how we develop? Are we going to give up? Are we going to carry on? Are we going to be, become generous? Are we going to become selfish? Are we going to become self-serving? Or are we going to try and be positive? So this is what I think about life. You know, a lot of um, existential philosophers or science people think, you know, is there a collective unconsciousness controlling us all? You know, is it all connected? I think your what what your conscious decisions definitely can have an impact on others. You know, um, I think we are our own little universe within ourselves. Um, so why why are we here? Obviously, I, I get that, but try and concisely like say in one sentence. You know why why are we here? Um, hey, man's tricky. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just say we're here basically because we're part of like a giant cycle. Um, you know, the law of the universe, if you could say there is a law, it's like, it's like entropy, which is like a cycle, which is energy constantly changing from one form to another, to another, to another. Uh, as Sadhguru would say that our bodies are, are just merely temporary and we've borrowed these bodies from the earth. You know, like we said, we've built them up from eating various foods, which have only been come into manifestation because they've come from the earth and we're just part of like a giant cycle ongoing cycle death is just part of a, a continual cycle of like entropy in the universe and that's what i think nice concept yeah entropy is a very interesting concept cool so let's wrap up james by you telling us if there's anything else you want to mention and or you know tell us about anything you want to plug any comp uh, brand project or things that you're working on but please also share links to your website social media and your podcast as well well if anyone's interested in finding out a little bit more about me they can uh, go on to fire in my mind uh, page on facebook or check out the fire in my mind podcast available on itunes but also on a website called shout engine if you google that you know you'll be able to find it so i'll be speaking to different guests each week and you know discussing discussing various philosophical concepts and basically different um life stories where people have had to overcome weakness and difficult periods in their life to make more positive choices brilliant yeah guys if you're listening go and check it out james has got a unique perspective as you've all heard so I just want to wrap up by saying, first of all, James, thank you for spending this time with us. I really appreciate you sharing your journey, your wisdom and experience with us. Oh, there was one thing, one thing I just thought of actually now. A, a yeah. new project I've got is I'm going to be doing a lot of ultra, ultra marathons during the summer. And I'd like to sort of pioneer some idea in my head about adventure running where you're running, carrying a backpack and you, you sort of camp overnight and you cover like hundreds of miles um, with you carrying all your food and that sort of thing. That is like a new idea. I'm, I'm looking to sort of document in my podcast and my page and my blog. So that's something up and coming. Hopefully people will be interested in that, especially yeah. in your area that are into fitness. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually thinking of doing an ultra marathon at some point as well. So I'd definitely love to talk to you about that at a later point. So uh, yeah, we can definitely 
share ideas and sort of clash brains with that. So, James, thanks so much. And that's a wrap, guys. I'm Aidan Lee, and this is the Fit Roots podcast. Thank you for helping us on our mission to build modern warriors. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, James. <laughs>